Hi everyone. Welcome to the second installment of the Family Medicine in the Clinic podcast. My name is Hannah Corman and I'm a PGY2 in the UT Health San Antonio's Family and Community Medicine Residency Program. Today we'll be talking about management of hypertension. Our primary sources include the JNC8 along with a few selected articles from UpToDate's Management of Essential Hypertension. So first I'd like to discuss why we must remain vigilant about high blood pressure. There's a direct relationship between uncontrolled blood pressure and significant morbidity and mortality. We see patients who have had strokes, heart attacks, significant kidney disease, all of which could have been prevented if their blood pressure was a little better controlled. So moving on, let's get to the goals. For patients over 18 years old with or without diabetes, blood pressure treatment should be initiated at pressures greater than 140 millimeters of mercury systolic or 90 millimeters of mercury diastolic and goal should be less than 140 over 90. For patients over 60 years old without other chronic medical conditions, such as chronic kidney disease or type 2 diabetes, blood pressure treatment should be initiated when blood pressures are consistently greater than 150 millimeters of mercury systolic or a diastolic pressure greater than 90 millimeters of mercury, and they should be treated to a goal of less than 150 over 90. Something special to note is that after treatment, if blood pressures are well below goal, there's no need to back off treatment unless your patient is experiencing adverse effects related to hypotension. This includes dizziness, fatigue, presyncope, or syncope. As always, prior to starting medications, it's important to pursue dietary and lifestyle modifications, including encouraging daily exercise, stopping smoking, reducing alcohol intake to their fullest extent prior to initiation of medical therapy. Okay, so now we know what we're treating and why. Let's go on to the how. There are three major drug classes to consider for initial management of hypertension. These include thiazide diuretics, ACE inhibitors or ARBs, and calcium channel blockers. Let's start with calcium channel blockers. These include the drugs amlodipine and nifedipine, known as Norvasc or Adalat, respectively. These directly decrease blood pressure by, re by relaxing arterial smooth muscle cells, and these are especially effective in older patients with systolic hypertension. These medications are generally well tolerated and there's no specific contraindication to these medicines. Their, their primary side effect to watch out for is edema of the lower extremities. No routine laboratory monitoring is required. Getting a little bit more complicated, we'll talk about ACE inhibitors or ARP or angiotensin receptor blockers. These, include, these drugs include lisinopril, enalapril, and valsartan and losartan. So these drugs affect the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Specifically, ACE inhibitors are competitive inhibitors of the angiotensin-converting enzyme. This prevents conversion of angiotensin 1 to angiotensin 2, which is a potent vasoconstrictor. These lower levels of angiotensin II cause an increase in plasma renin activity and a reduction in aldosterone secretion. This allows for increased sodium excretion, leading to therefore decreased blood volume 
and therefore decrease blood pressure. Of note, these drugs can also relax the efferent arteriole of the glomerulus, leading to decreased perfusion pressures of the kidney. Things to watch out for with these drugs is that they can, there is a risk of decreasing glomerular, glomerular filtration rate. Within six to eight weeks of starting these drugs, one should collect a BMP to monitor for serum creatinine changes. Greater than a 30% increase in serum creatinine should lead you to discontinue the drug and try an alternative agent. Other things to watch for on these drugs is potassium retention. With the decreased aldosterone, this leads to potassium retention, which can lead to dangerous hyperkalemia, and intractable hyperkalemia on an ACE inhibitor or an ARB is reason to discontinue the drug. One other side effect specific to ACE inhibitors is an intractable, unproductive cough. If this happens to a patient on one ACE inhibitor, it will likely happen with all ACE inhibitors and you're better off switching to an ARB or a different antihypertensive regimen. Something to keep in mind, in patients with severe hypertension, for instance those with blood pressures greater than 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury above goal, monitoring renal function is paramount because there's more likely to have significant creatinine changes with initiation of these drugs. Okay, and finally, let's discuss the thiazide type diuretics. These include chlorthalidone, hydrochlorothiazide, and indepamide. Chlorthalidone and indepamide are more potent, more efficacious, and longer acting than hydrochlorothiazide and should be considered first line for management of hypertension when considering the thiazide type diuretics. Just to get into specifics on why chlorthalidone is excellent and somewhat underrated in my experience, its duration of action is 24 hours while hydrochlorothiazide is only 6 to 12 hours. The clinical ramifications of this difference means can be that when your patient on hydrochlorothiazide comes to your morning clinic, they might appear like their blood pressure is well controlled because they just took their medicine a few hours prior. However, in the evenings and overnight, once their medication wears off, they can be experiencing elevated blood pressures that are missed by our monitoring. Chlorthalidone is also more effective than hydrochlorothiazide at reducing blood pressure, specifically systolic blood pressure, and this ultimately has been found to lead directly to decreased risk of cardiovascular events in patients on chlorthalidone versus hydrochlorothiazide, including reduced risk of stroke, myocardial infarction, congestive heart failure, and peripheral arterial disease. Unfortunately, one drawback of chlorthalidone is that it doesn't come in common combinations with ACE inhibitors or calcium channel blockers like HCTZ does, excuse me, but we'll discuss later why that not may why that might not be as big an issue as we think. As far as monitoring goes for these kinds of drugs, you'll want to look primarily for the side effect of hypokalemia. This primarily occurs within three weeks of starting or changing the dose and is more likely to happen with the more potent thiazide type diuretics. Phew. So now that we have our drugs covered, let's discuss some principles of management. 
We've already discussed some of the monitoring recommendations for, for electrolyte abnormalities of each drug, but to monitor their actual effic efficaciousness in decreasing blood pressure, you'll want to wait four to six weeks after initiation to recheck their blood pressure. And as far as starting doses go, the largest reductions in blood pressure are seen at half standard dose with modestly greater reductions in systolic and diastolic blood pressure at standard and twice standard doses. So in other words, put simply, you have diminishing returns when it comes to increasing the dose of antihypertensive medications past the half therapeutic dose. So one plan you can enact when starting someone on a medication is starting at the half standard dose, have them follow up in three weeks or four to six weeks depending on metabolic monitoring indications, and then uh, for actual blood pressure efficacy. If it's not working or if it seems to be working a little bit, you can go to full standard dose, recheck in another four to six weeks, and then reassess whether this drug is effective in lowering their blood pressure. If at that second recheck their blood pressure is still above goal, there is a practice called sequential monotherapy which can be considered. So basically, put simply, what this means is trying one drug to its fullest extent. If it doesn't work, discontinuing that drug and starting an alternative agent. So the reason this works is because each of the three classes, calcium channel blockers, thiazide type diuretics, ACE inhibitors, have a 30 to 50% chance of achieving blood pressure goals in patients with mild hypertension, or in other words, less than 20 over 10 systolic and diastolic pressures respectively above goal. So as we use one class and it's proven to be ineffective, the likelihood of finding a monotherapy that is effective increases as you go further down this path. So if you try the calcium channel blocker initially at half dose and then at full dose, it doesn't have an effect. You have a 50 to 60% chance that an ACE inhibitor or a thiazide type diuretic will be effective in controlling your patient's blood pressure. If your second line drug is not effective in controlling blood pressure, it's, you can titrate from the half dose to the full dose, and if there's no effect, you can discontinue that entirely and try the third medication that you hadn't tried already. Some studies have shown that you can, that trying a third line agent allows you to control as many as 60 to 80% of patients on a single agent. This simplifies the regimen for their patients. This is also an easily, easily documentable and reproducible regimen you can use with all of your patients. That said, the patients who are more likely to be successful on monotherapy are those with less severe hypertension, meaning less than 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury above goal. If they're above 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury above goal, in other words, other than in patients um, who are under 60, greater than 160 over 100 millimeters of mercury, you're likely going to need a second agent no matter what you do. So per the, the JNC-8, we have a few recommendations on how, which medication to start first in, in a variety of patients. So in younger patients who are under 50 years old, 
it's recommended to start with either an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. In older patients without comorbidities, it's recommended to start with either a thiazide or a calcium channel blocker. In patients who are black, it's recommended to start a thiazide or a calcium channel blocker as these may be more effective. In the general population who is non-black, you can start any of the three medications unless other comorbidities offer uh, help in that decision. For example, in patients with heart failure, a history of myocardial infarction, um, diabetes, systolic dysfunction, or um, chronic kidney disease with proteinuria, it's recommended to start an ACE inhibitor first because they are cardioprotective and renal protective independent from their blood pressure lowering effects. Otherwise, it's up to you. So I hope this was helpful. Um, I, I hope this can provide you some guidance and some direction in helping your patients with their hypertensive regimen. Again, if there's any questions or concerns, please feel free to email me at korman at uthscsa.edu and I will get back to you as quickly as I can. Thank you and see you next time.